Welcome to Switcheroo, a dirty little podcast about religion, sex, and all the in-between parts. With your hosts, Maggie Baxter, an atheist turned evangelical, and Nick Vu, an evangelical turned atheist. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Nick. What What up? It's so good to see you in my basement. <laughs> it's a good basement. I mean, our professional recording studio. Our pro recording studio <laughs> at, I was thinking of what the hey. most famous recording studio is to drop that name, but I don't know. Candyland Studios. Apple Studios. Ap- what? <laughs> Apple. No, Abbey Road. Studio. Oh, yeah, Abbey Road. Wait, wasn't that Apple something? Yeah. Weren't they? Didn't they get in trouble for... Oh, yeah. I don't know. The company. Uh, Macintosh Studios. Macintosh Studios. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Let's say hi to our producer, Derek, over there. Hey, Derek, thanks for being on on the ones and twos today, producer Derek. Wow, you're you're giving a hypothetical imaginary (laughs) person credit for the work that we do. (laughs) Yes. That's so selfless of you. (laughs) Do you get extra heaven points? I get... For I get 15 extra heaven points <laughs> yeah, for saying I don't edit this podcast with you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Thanks, we Derek. Can, we can have a, a persona. High five, Derek. You just high fived yourself. <laughs> no, I didn't. That was Derek. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Derek Frankelstein. Derek Frankelberger. <laughs> Frank. Yep. <laughs> Jarek. Jarek. It's always a good gag when you have a normal name and then you put a J in the front instead. Jarek Frankelbergerstein. Jarek Frankelbergerstein. Jickolus could be my... Jickolus. Jaggy my is just... Jaggy. That's Jargret. Jargret is worse. Yeah, that sure. doesn't work so well. Jargret is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Who's this girl back here? That's the lumbar girl, what's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone? Hey, good to see you. Yeah, I'm alive. Yeah. I I had COVID a couple weeks ago. Woo! Uh, no more. Now you got yeah. all those sick now, antibodies. Yeah, now I'm like immune and I could just do anything. Yeah. I can just go maskless everywhere. Just go f- fuck a tree. Because it won't give me COVID <laughs> now. Yep. Because it's... You can do anything. I can I can fly to Murder the spree. Yeah, I'll <laughs> purge this whole town because I'm allowed to. It's the... It's the... Jick... Vu purge. The purge. Chickless Vu. Chickless Vu. Purge times. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about, Maggie? Well, I'm glad that you didn't die. I just want to say that. Oh. I'm glad that you didn't die. Thank you. Yeah. Me too. I'm I had some here. friends who also had it. We had it together, and it was actually kind of nice to, to just like chill out together. That's and like. Get to know each other better. I have COVID friends. Core. COVID cottage core. We did not bake bread. Ugh. 
We did not uh, plant daisies did you, outside. But did you did you knit? Did anyone knit? Come on. No. Ugh. We were in the countryside of England. Ah, uh, see. And there were COVID cottage. There were baby sheep everywhere. Uh, how Hundreds are you going to tell me that that's sheep. not cottage core? You've that's had, pretty cottage That's core. COVID cottage core. Yes. Baby sheep, English yep. countryside. I think we call those lambs, right? No, a baby sheep? We don't call them lambs. I call them baby sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. Like, when I was texting, I kept calling them baby sheep because yeah. that's a way cuter thing. It's adorable. Lambs is not. Lambs, you have to say the B sound. Lamba. Lamba. Yeah. And anything with a B is ugly. It's so ugly. It's the ugliest letter. <laughs> baby Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Wait, baby has two Bs. <laughs> baby is the ugliest word in the English well, no, language. Well, no, baby's cute. Baby lamb is better. Oh, you're right. Even though it has two. <laughs> okay, there's some other theory why lamb is <laughs> inferior. It's the MB combo. Oh no, those are my initials. <laughs> the silent, the silent B. Yeah. Yeah. Silent Bs are gross. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. All right. Anyone who has a name with a silent B, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, but your name is awful. Yep. It's dumb, if you will. <laughs> D-U-M-B. <laughs> oh. I didn't catch it, but you're right. I did it. Yeah. Full circle. So dumb is dumb. Yeah, dumb is dumb. <laughs> dumb is dumb is dumb is dumb. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm alive. I have a new lease on life. Uh, it Good. wasn't too bad. I was vaxxed and boosted and all that. And uh, Did you do any drugs while you were on COVID time? Are we going to talk about that? Yeah. Hell yeah, we are. Yes. You did, did. drugs while you had COVID. Yeah. Did it I, change anything? Did you see any new experiences? I mean, it wasn't different. I might have been a little more sensitive. Mm. I don't know. What can I talk about? I don't know. Talk I about did, it. I did a little bit of ketamine. And um, that is something used in hospitals and stuff all the time. It has a very low toxicity. You have talked to me offline about ketamine before, but yeah. can you talk about a K-hole? What's, what is a K-hole all about? Oh, you've heard rumor? No, you've told me. K-holes? You and I have talked about it because you were like, yeah. you should do it. And I was like, I don't know. And then you told me about it. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, let's just keep this drug convo going. Yeah, let's never stop. Drugs yeah. forever. Yeah. Are the narcs going to come to my door? Yep. And bang it down? Yeah, the DEA has been sniffing around my house. Yeah. So ketamine is a disassociative. Okay. And Which is different than a psycho I, psychoactive? A psychedelic, psychedelic, yeah. Or, yeah, psychoactive drug. I was very nervous taking it the first time because disassociating, I feel like I do sometimes in general, like in my sober life, and it's not the most fun thing. Uh, but actually, Wait, it's, wait, wait. Yeah. Explain that. What do you mean you disassociate in regular life? Like without drugs, you can disassociate and you don't like it. Well, I mean, it's like a condition people can have. Okay. I don't know if it... I haven't ever been diagnosed. I think it might be derealization is what I've come to think of it as. Where, I don't know, I'll be just walking down the sidewalk and it's almost like I'm in a movie or something. Like I'm not actually participating 
in the real objective world Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit dreamlike. Yeah. Sometimes. Has that always been the case? uh, About since I went into my depression like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, it has been a thing, and it seems like it's only gotten slightly worse. Hmm. But certain activities, it tends to come out when I do my uh, Duolingo Vietnamese lessons. For whatever reason, interesting, my mind just goes into like this. It's really hard to kind of like think two steps ahead. It's okay. like I can focus and I can still like get things done, but... It's a like, very uncomfortable feeling. Like after you're after you've been like immersing in another language, that happens, or while you're immersing. While okay. like immediately as I start, hmm. but I can play like a video game on my phone, and I don't experience that at all. Okay, so I'm not sure what it is. It it tends to be when I'm like walking or driving, or Duolingo seems to be the big ones hmm. for whatever reason. But like any time, I can. If I look for it, it's like, yeah, I think it, it, things do seem hazy. Can I compare a, an experience? I yeah. I feel like I've experienced surrealism while driving. Mm. And what would that be driving. exactly? Well, like clocks start melting. Yes. <laughs> no, that was a reference to Salvador Dali. Yeah, that was an art joke. Art, art joke. Yeah. Art jokes. So, we need a jingle. Yeah, because we jokes. needed to be more highbrow, yeah. if you remember. I do remember no more diarrhea talk. Only. You can't even say the word. No more talk. Yeah, okay. Great. <laughs> Only our jokes. Can Only we have a jingle jokes. for our jokes? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about your surrealism. Um. Okay. When I'm driving, especially on longer trips, I will go. Like, usually music is playing or a podcast is playing or something, and I will go, like, an hour, and then I will snap back into reality and realize, like, I'm driving, and I have at least five solid minutes of, like, when did I learn how to drive? I don't remember how I know how to drive. Am I okay? Do I need to pull over? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how I got Mm. here. How did I get from the place that I started to here? Like, I completely... I mean, I've always... assumed it was like a blackout mm-hmm. kind of like a total blackout like i just don't pay attention and then i have that moment of like ah i don't know <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing i attributed it to like i'm a good enough driver that i can do this without really thinking about it yeah like i've been driving for so long that i can do it without putting thought into that's it. a few times i've I shouldn't have driven, but I was like high on weed mm-hmm. and driving. And that was the most terrifying thing whenever that happens. And it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. How am I not just driving this huge piece of metal just into everything on yeah. the road? And then I just had to like kind of trust myself. Yeah, like that's like I've done this enough times. Yeah. My, my body, body knows. my body knows what to do. Yeah. Uh interesting. I have heard that when you're driving, just the repetition of, you know, the lines on the street and everything mm-hmm. can hypnotize you or put you in something of a hypnosis state. That's that seems so I wonder if more that's part accurate because it. it never happens to me when I'm like going point A to point B in town or whatever. It's mm. only on those longer stretches of road yeah. where it is the same thing and i'm not really looking at what's happening on the outs uh, in my periphery mm-hmm. 
But would you consider that like a dissociative state or would you, or more hypnosis? I would say that's that's similar. And so in K, they use it for uh, anesthesia. I don't know when they decide to do that instead of like spinal injections and things. Right. Um, I think if they want something quick and uh, just general anesthetic and I mean, they'll, they'll give it to kids and stuff in the, in the ER. In very, very small. No, in very big doses. Really? Yeah. Like I'm taking way less than that. And so they're K-holing out hard. Okay. Okay. And so basically it is, it's kind of like, this is going to sound awful. It's kind of like it scrambles your brain. Okay. In a nice way. Okay. Where you're not thinking about things or worried about things. You kind of lose context okay. a little bit. And if it's a very light dose, it's just a nice feeling where you kind of lose some of that self-consciousness and that dialogue that's going on in your head. If it's used time. sometimes as an anesthetic, does that mean that it's also numbing or is it like no i think it's more disconnecting that pain yeah it disconnects the pain like you might experience the pain but it just like it's just a it sensation that has no meaning okay really okay and so if you go hard on k you can i mean you can kind of like lose where you are and you're just like flying through the void that and, sounds awful and so I actually find it way I've lost myself more on K than I ever have with psychedelics. Okay. I've always, no matter how hard, and maybe I just haven't taken enough psychedelics. Like I do feel like I've become one with infinity on mushrooms. Okay. But I still, I still knew who I was. Okay. And I knew where I was and knew I could like kind of, ground okay even if things are going sideways but and not- stuff i at least knew where i was and like yeah sh- bad shit's going on in my head but not so with k but with k it's kind of like i don't exist anymore there's is no me and it only lasts for like 20 minutes okay or so so that's like when you're taking mushrooms that's something like a four-hour commitment LSD is something like a 12-hour commitment. And okay. so, I don't know. Just knowing that you're going to come down soon, I think, is also helpful. I've never had a bad K, I don't know what you call doing Experience? K. Experience, hole? yes. A bad hole. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, if you go hard enough, you fall into the hole, kind of. Okay. I don't know where that term comes from. I just made yeah. that up. Um. Back in like middle school and high school, when I first heard of this as a thing, mm-hmm. uh, everyone talked about it as a horse tranquilizer. Yeah. Um, and they have been used as horse tranquilizers. Okay. Uh, Which makes it sound way scarier. Yes. Right? It makes it sound like ivermectin. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's the ivermectin is the like drug that has been uh, hyped up by a certain political party as a, a treatment for covid oh maybe i but should use that but it's like a an animal like it's used primarily in veterinary hospitals mm-hmm. or was before anyway i don't know enough about that to be an, be talking about it <laughs> <laughs> uh 
But I, that's what I understood ketamine to be was like, I kind of like dare campaign, like, don't fuck with this. It's a horse tranquilizer. Like, why would you want to do something that's for a, an animal that weighs 2,000 pounds? I don't or know. Whatever. Animals eat food and drink water. Does that mean I can't? No. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying that that was the deterrent that was like <laughs> right. widely yeah, yeah. used that was the by people who didn't want you to use it. Sure. Right? Was like this is for horses. Yeah. But I uh I am coming to terms with the idea that like all living beings are spiritual. So <laughs> like yeah. maybe horses like to go into a K hole. They love it. Maybe they love it. Yeah. So if you ever go into K hole or like planning to take more ketamine or don't know what you're getting into, I would definitely be in a a place where you feel comfortable with like, you feel safe with the people around you. What does it feel like to come out of a K-hole? Lay down. Uh, I mean, it kind of fades in and then fades out. Okay. Like most things, you slowly understand the context that you're in. Okay. If you're in a K hole, would you would it fade out? Would you fade, or would you fade back into reality? I mean, you would fade into the K hole. Okay. Out, sort of out of reality, I guess. Okay. Um, and when you're coming out, you're and coming then out to you, reality. Yeah, you reference points start. Does it feel anything like an actual hole? I always associate it with like floating through space but not really having a body or a self or understanding what space is okay (laughs) really yeah like how do you know that the idea happened i mean you can remember it and you're experiencing you like you can you can know what's happening even if maybe you lose the language around it okay or yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know what's going on. All right. And and like you can come out more relaxed or whatever. If someone was to while you're like floating through space, if mm-hmm. someone like someone important knocked on your door and was like, "I need to talk to you about something important." Could you talk to them? Could you like I don't know. pull yourself out of whatever space you're floating through and be like, "I am back in reality," although my impression is Fucked like a little bit. you will sober up yeah. at least some. Yeah. That's to my... like make shit happen. Okay. But it, you won't be probably your full 100% like ability to respond. Okay, so you could snap out of it a little bit if 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 you need circumstances to. applied. I think so. Okay. I I have panic attacks that are what I would consider dissociative. Mm-hmm. And I still maintain that if something were to happen to my kids while I was like in that kind of uncontrolled brain space, I like something else would take over. Whatever the that's super interesting. The yeah, responsible part of my brain is would be like, you can't do this right now. You can't have a panic attack right now. Mm-hmm. You have to go do this other thing. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. What if? I could offer you, hypothetically, like, you take this pill, and you could experience a panic attack, and it will only last five minutes. 
would that be an interesting thing? Or And so you're stepping into it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that it's going to be over. Um, would that be interesting to you? Yes. I think that it would be because of my experience with exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've tried to create them, right? Like part mm-hmm. of my exposure therapy has been like trying to do whatever I can to create a panic mm-hmm. attack so that I can write it out and like know that I can survive it because then yeah. that rewrites your uh whatever the p- pathways are in your brain the like ruts the in neuro- your brain yeah pathways. neuro pathways it rewrites them or remaps them so that these things that you're not afraid of that thing happening anymore so mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a super helpful therapy to be able to say like I'm gonna take a pill for five minutes I'm gonna have a panic attack I know that it's gonna be over and then my brain will continue to teach itself that, like, this is not a danger to me. Like, having a panic attack is not dangerous. Yeah. I would buy that. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, somewhat similarly, I read about uh, CO2 therapy. Hmm. And it's supposed to be pretty terrifying. Like, your body thinks it's... Suffocating? Suffocating, basically. And so... Ew! This is... I hesitate sharing this because it sounds very reckless. Um, But I was with a friend who is a scientist and I feel like very knowledgeable about things and like understanding that, uh, you know, if you take... If you're breathing normally, your body is oxygenated. And if you take a quick hit of CO2 you're not actually suffocating. Right. And so we were taking hits off his soda stream. And? And. Isn't that like whippets? Isn't that like what whippets No, so whippets are nitrous oxide. Okay. Uh, And so this is CO2 that you're putting like in your water to make it bubbly. And. So it deprives your brain of oxygen and puts you into. Kind of. it, It like tricks your body for a second thinking that it doesn't have oxygen okay and i actually like i've heard reports of people doing it supervised like in a clinical setting yeah. and they'll like panic real hard yeah for me it was actually like very pleasant like uh, asphyxiation okay kind of like being choked during sex yeah or something and if it's done right uh you know there's not going to be pressure on your neck mm-hmm. and you can come very close to like blacking out uh, and it's actually like super pleasant. <clears throat> You're saying pleasant, not erotic or yes erotic or mm. I mean again like when, we, when, when we're talking or... about kink, yeah. there's this big spectrum of sensation right. that m- may or may not be sexual. okay like I could get right. flogged. And it doesn't necessarily make me hard, right? <laughs> but it's enjoyable. Getting massage is similar. Right. It can be sexual, right? It doesn't have to be in sex. It doesn't have to be sexual to be enjoyable, right? By any means. Okay, got it. Uh, and so, I was just yeah. curious if your specific CO two circumstance felt like sexually pleasurable or uh, just no. I wouldn't say. Mm, I I could see how that might be incorporated. Okay, because uh, getting choked well yeah. <laughs> often people don't choke well 
and choking well is a hard thing to do. Okay. Uh, and it's very dangerous. So if anyone's trying choking out there, like watch some YouTube videos, know what you're disclaimer, doing. Disclaimer, disclaimer, like, disclaimer, disclaimer. You can kill somebody. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, don't kill somebody. Don't kill anybody. Play, play around with a little bit of choking. Okay. Uh, it should never hurt. Okay. And Or scare or frighten. Mm, I mean... I mean, it should be consensual. That's what I was getting at. I feel yeah. like that's, sorry, I didn't mean mm-hmm. to bring in the word fear. And the the other big thing to know about choking is imagine if you or the partner that you're choking were to pass out, would the constriction around their neck release immediately or would it get mm. stronger? So like, it's super dangerous to like put a belt around your neck and hang from the closet. Yeah clothes rack i don't know yeah. what, what do you call that um rod r- clothing rod there's yeah. a movie where that happened yeah. i forget what it was called because if you pass out you can't y- stop y- you're you can't loosen the, the thing yeah yeah and so if you're i mean you can choke yourself too but make sure it's in a way where if you fall f- like fall over you're not gonna like lean more into your hands okay. or into something make sure and it's probably not something you want to do alone. Yeah. You probably want somebody else there. Uh, well, I, I often put um, like my partner's hand, ar- like if she's on her back, I'll put her arm like on my shoulder okay. to let me know if something happened. Like we never go to the edge of blacking out. Some okay. people do intentionally. Yeah. And so if she blacked out, the arm would fall and I would know immediately. Can we talk about what the sorry can we go back and we're, talk we're about jumping like, what, around, the, yeah. what the purpose of like co2 therapy no well we'll come back to that but like is it a, is that consensual non-consent like choking or is that no i mean it's just a kink it, if you wanted but it sounds if, like if an altered state right if, like if it's part a, of the scene is is them saying no i don't want this but really, we already talked about how then they do want it. Then that would be consensual non-consent. But um, the point of like autoerotic asphyxiation mm-hmm. or erotic asphy- asphyxiation mm-hmm. by someone else would be some sort of altered altered state sexual experience, yes. right? Yes. Because choking or... Uh, uh, air restriction. Air restriction is, kind yeah. of is inhibiting in some way yes i mean it's inhibiting but it's also freeing okay in ways right like so the co2 therapy yeah um it's supposed to like chill people out like real hard okay and uh for a long time afterwards okay like weeks if not months but it's terrifying in the moment yeah exactly okay exactly and i don't know exactly what all the mechanisms are to do that and so i would say a similar thing like going into subspace or asphyxiating define that term subspace oh subspace let's see it is a um a reaction that your body naturally goes into when it's experiencing trauma okay and it can be kind of out of body. Uh, it can be incredibly euphoric. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're getting assaulted and you're, it's just like 
overwhelming to your psyche, your psyche might, in order to protect you, kind of shut down and remove itself from your physical body. And so that can be recreated in a non-traumatic way, right? Yeah. Like you can you can voluntarily your body into, into through into that. Yeah. something that makes your body think that you are in trauma mm-hmm. so that you can get to that subspace. Yeah, exactly. So like if I'm uh, receiving impact, mm-hmm. it can... Like a whip or a... Yeah, a whip, flogger, canes, uh, hands. Got it. Uh, it could be any number of things. Then I I don't go into it often, but when I do, it's pretty awesome. It feels a little bit like being drunk and you can actually like take way more pain mm. and the pain actually becomes enjoyable. Like, yeah, go harder, go as hard as you can. Like it doesn't even matter. Okay. And so there's something it's, it can be empowering, you know, uh, Again, there's the the euphoria that lasts, that is like there in the moment, but also I think lasts well after. Is it possible? Okay, I'm going to go down a quick path. Is it possible that I have such a triggered aversion to that kind of, to subspace for myself because I have had, I've had to, had to do it to, to cope with like sexual assault trauma. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to go back. Like I have no desire to go back into that subspace because I've been there in, in a traumatic and emotionally and physically traumatic place. Mm-hmm. Or is that why when you're talking about it, I'm like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> like I, I like I can, I can see the validity and the importance or the enjoyment that others could find in it, but I have no, like, I just have no interest in it. Yeah, that's totally fair. But do you think it's poten- there's a potential it's because I have experienced it in a negative way? I mean, it's certainly possible. I know people who have experienced assault who enjoy it then and enjoy crave it, it okay. and live for it. Hmm. And for them, maybe, maybe not. I can't speak for them. Like, it might be a reclaiming okay. of the experience. Okay. So, I mean, kind of like voluntarily taking your panic attack pill. Right. It's It could be them. Rewriting. Like, yeah, rewriting. And like, this right. is something I can voluntarily step into and totally handle and just crush it. And yeah. like, it's not even a thing. Yeah. But also, like, is it the, like me associating it with impact? Is mm-hmm. that scarier? Like... You could, in theory, go into subspace from any sort of, like, physical hardship. Yeah. You know, if you're, I imagine working out in the gym, I've never gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, doing some sort of exercise that has this sort of prolonged, like, pushing you to the edge. Yeah. Discomfort. You could totally go into subspace. It's it's funny that it has a name because I I have a like a different and maybe I'm going into a different space but like I have a different visual I've never heard it referred to as subspace except Mm. from you describing these kinds of situations but like being with a a cognitive behavioral therapist and being forced to like jog up 
lots and lots of uh, flights of stairs in order to like push myself into panic brain, like have my heart rate way up, have my breathing really heavy, or we'll, we'll do like practices where we hyperventilate on purpose so that we get to that kind of, I always feel it as like a high, a high Mm -hmm. and just language wise, linguistics wise, like a high versus a sub like those things are mm. uh, contradictory, right? Like feeling like up and high and above it or mm. like out of body feels like a, an up experience versus subspace being like beneath. Yeah. Well, it's submission space or a submissive oh, space. Oh, so it's okay. So it's something that the submissive is. Or like a let go. Experiencing. Um, okay. And I mean, the doms can experience an altered state as well but usually that's going to be more endorphins and adrenaline and things like that okay i was connecting sub to like being in a k-hole like i was Mm. i was imagining it as like a physical down versus Mm -hmm. a physical up (laughs) right yeah yeah. (laughs) which um so submissive being the the word for sub Mm mm-hmm Tell me about some of your altered states, Maggie. Oh, man. I got high on pot in high school <laughs> a couple of times. And uh, I think I I wanted to pretend that I was like a person who could smoke pot and be fine. But I was never. And I just had a like my first like three or four times smoking pot were really bad, horrible experiences for me. Like I didn't enjoy it. I laughed a lot. And I fell down because I was laughing so hard and I enjoyed that part. But then I realized that I couldn't control it. Um, and so I hated it. Mm-hmm. I, I hated not being able to control my laughter or stop or recognize what I was laughing about. Like I was just laughing uncontrollably and that felt gross and scary. Mm-hmm. And then, the, I mean, there were a lot of experiences of oh, my parents are in the next room and they cannot know that I'm high. And I'm, I guess that's what is commonly referred to as paranoia, like just fully paranoid. But I don't like my heart rate being elevated without a feasible explanation. Like Mm. I'm running or I'm being chased by something. And so. So like a substance would be an illegitimate reason. Yeah. And caffeine does the same. I feel like did the same. How oh, do you not drink caffeine at all? I haven't had caffeine since wow, two thousand three. Yeah, it's a uh, anything that kind of is a stimulant, like a in any way, even for a certain amount of time. And I know that marijuana has changed a lot in mm-hmm. the last twenty years, um, and there are different types and different dosages and different. Um, vehicles for partaking, but just those couple of times that I smoked pot in high school really turned me off to the idea. Even to the point where now I can't, like, I walk past a like fancy schmancy lotion store where they sell like a CBD lotion, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> will not, won't do it. Uh, no matter how much people tell me that it can be good for anxiety or help with creativity or whatever so that's my that's my marijuana story i did a lot of drinking a lot of drinking 
especially before the age of 21. Um, Illegally. Yeah, a lot of illegal drinking. Come and get me, cops. Coppers. (laughs) What are you going to do about it now? It's already passed through my system. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I did a lot of drinking, like, between 17 and, and 21, and was... I wouldn't say irresponsible in the way of like, you know, regular college kids like binge drinking, but I was really mm. irresponsible with myself and my well-being. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't drink because I liked it and I didn't drink to like be out of the world or whatever, or um, I didn't drink to forget. <laughs> I didn't drink for any re- reason other than I, I wanted to be cool. And to kind of compare this to our a couple of conversations that we had ago about gender, like I wanted to be one of the guys, like I wanted to be able to hang with the guys. And so I drank huge amounts of alcohol, like just so that I could keep up with the guys that I was hanging out with mm-hmm. who were like binge drinking dangerously. <laughs> so I drank and blacked out a lot and and got into some really dangerous situations because of it. Like mm. where I wasn't lots of, lots of nights that I didn't remember. And, um, and then I stopped when I was 21, I stopped drinking for a few years and then I went, I moved to a different town for about nine months. My, my printer just started printing out of nowhere. <laughs> I hope it's an important document. Poltergeist. A treasure map for yeah. us to follow. Oh my gosh. What if we should record no. an episode on the field yes. chasing treasure? It's just the It'll feds be being goonies. like, I know that you were drunk underage. <laughs> we're listening. We're, we're coming fa- to get you. We're faxing you your subpoena. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I do remember when you moved to Bellingham and you were telling me some stories about it was blacking a, out again. It was a really bad time. I, but again, like my reason for drinking was always to fit in. It was never because I really enjoyed the feeling of being drunk or uh in fact I really, really dislike the feeling of being hungover. Like really hate it. I mean, I'm not sure yeah, so people love it. Anybody loves it, but yeah. I always got sick. Like I always got really vomity sick and but I, I always just wanted to fit in, and it seemed like the people that I was around in the in the phases that I was drinking heavily put a lot of value in someone who could hang, you know, someone who could like hold their hold their liquor, quote unquote, hold their liquor, and like still be funny or cool. And I, I have this joke that it's not. It's a stolen joke from Mike Berbiglia, but I have a a two-drink Maggie that is a total different personality. After two drinks, I my vocabulary is increased. <laughs> like, I'm just smarter and funnier. In your own head. No, like, In real literally. Life? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I, I have video recordings of me just, like, being amazing, yeah. hilarious, just super intelligent. Like there's some part of my brain that's accessed after two drinks Mm -hmm. where I can like open up. It's that inhibition. I don't. Right. You're not self-conscious or as much. I don't, 
I'm not worried about what I'm flow. saying. I just let it flow. And mm-hmm. it, it's a very creative space, but like three and beyond is stupid and self-conscious. And then Mm. I drink more to start to stop feeling self-conscious. And I notice myself like questioning what I'm saying and then being really paranoid. Like, do I seem really drunk right now? Like I, I feel like I get to a point where I'm asking and then I drink to the point where I black out where I don't care anymore. What? Mm. So there's like, never blacked out. That sounds scary. It's. I feel like it's Says like the person who uses drugs. Yeah, the- <laughs> I mean, it to me it is a lot like what you described of like just unaware. I like I don't remember. I don't remember those points in time. I remember waking up in places I didn't want to be, and um, and in certain um, phases of undress that I did not uh, agree to. So it's. I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound appealing, and I don't think that's a altered state I'm going to. And then you wait. I I woke up like dehydrated every time, feeling like I was gonna puke. Often I did puke. A lot of times I would have a UTI because I hadn't had enough water in like a 24 hour period. But it I, I can directly tie every time that I've done it to like really intense insecurity and trying to be around people who thought that I was okay, that thought I was cool or funny or creative in some way. And so drinking has always been that for me, even as recently as two days, two days ago. Mm. (laughs) Like, I don't really want to drink, but I'm drinking and I'm drinking probably more than I should be so that I can seem cooler to these people. Mm. There's a lot of restaurants around here now that have mocktails. Yes. Like super yummy, creative yep. mixed and drinks. With, with like no fun alcohol. names even so that you can be like, I want to order a, yes. a Jasper Sunset or whatever. And people think that you're ordering a, a real cocktail because they're not paying close attention. And I, I use that tactic quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Let's pivot a little bit have you had an alter state from a very good meal hell yeah yes describe one of those uh positive altered states i ate at um a restaurant here in washington called the herb farm oh you went there I have, i've never been I've and only everyone been talks once. about it mm-hmm. this this may seem silly but it's very legitimate to me uh i went so the way they they run their restaurant is they go in cycles, like seasonal cycles. And so there'll be a different menu for not just seasons, but like whatever's fresh, they'll kind of create a menu around it. So I I made a reservation and it happened to be during the mushroom harvesting se- or foraging season. Um, and I'm not crazy about mushrooms, but I, I will say mushrooms. like, this is like, I know you, once, I know you love mushrooms. Once you brought I, that home a bag of morels, yes. cause you, you're like, I just want to give it a shot. I hear these are awesome. Yeah. And you cooked them all up and you hated it. And so you gave me this big old plate of <laughs> fancy, like butter, butter, yeah, morels. It was awesome. I, I really, I try and I like, I can do it now, but it was this experience of eating at the herb farm and that there were like 40 different preparations of all sorts of different foraged mushrooms. None of them 
None of them were psychedelic mushrooms, just FYI. Oh. Although I think that, that would I would funny. imagine the chef probably was like, we got to do it, but, <laughs> but got the kibosh. But I had these incredible, beautiful preparations of mushrooms and it changed my entire like perspective on like what is delicious and so again i know it's it seems silly but for me like i am a very food focused like extremely food focused very uh enthralled by by food and taste and and i had always been kind of anti mushroom because of texture or whatever and to have all these different preparations it like it felt to me the way uh, Andy described, like, the angry man walking away. Like, I felt like I left my anti-mushroom person mm. and became this, like, person who was open to all all food experiences, no matter what, which um, was really freeing and, and fairly euphoric. And I, I would taste things and close my eyes and could imagine like explosions and I sound like Ratatouille, the the Disney movie Ratatouille, but that is uh, an experience I had where I felt like the world opened up to me in a very transcendent way because of a like 30 course meal, 40 course meal. That's awesome. Could you describe a little bit more the specific sensations? Kind of like how I was describing what it's like to be on K. Yeah. Describe the meal from like. Well, the visuals were experiential. Were yeah. the beginning, right? So they put a plate in front of you and you're looking at something that could, could be like a painting in the Louvre, right? Like it's so, or I guess more modern art. It's so visually beautiful. There are different textures, there are different heights and there's motion in it in some cases, like uh, there's a type of f- like fish flake that I think it's mm, called. Yeah. For a or something. That is a spice. Okay. Or like a mixture of spices to in be, Japan, but it's, no. yeah, they'll put it on like octopus balls yes. in Japan. But it, it moves. It moves. It moves like little fairy wings. It's so incredible to look at. And, so I'm looking at this thing and it's moving and it's transforming and it uh and then you you like have it's either a handheld thing or you use a fork and it like it goes in your mouth and you close your eyes and you ex- <gasps> Is we, it? We have a phone call. Oh. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay, we'll talk more about food later. We yeah. have a phone call to take. Shanna? Nick? Hi. Hi Shanna. Hi Maggie. Hi. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for calling. We're we're trying good. to record an episode, and, and you, you just called you in rudely, the middle. <laughs> yeah, and I rudely answered. <laughs> are you guys still live? Yeah. Yep. We're going. <clears throat> Perfect. Excuse me. What are you this doing? Switch your is like my favorite pod. Yeah. Is it really? And you listen to some to quite a few pods. Yeah, I listen to all the pods. You listen to hundreds and, and hundreds, hundreds, and you think pods, we're the very the greatest. Wow. Yeah. Um, what are you doing right now? Um, I just got done with a work meeting 
that went better than expected. Yay! Well, yeah. Would and you when say... y'all called, when y'all called, I was like just out of the shower and I was like hustling because I had to make it to the work meeting and like make it look like I hadn't just gotten out of the shower. <laughs> that, I know that. I know that way. Would, would you say that it went so well that you feel like you're in an altered state? No. <laughs> okay. It was just like a team that I had a I had a very bad experience with last year, and it's like an annual meeting, and so I was like, okay, this year is going to be different. So it was the meeting was an altered state from altered the last from the time. previous state. <laughs> altered from the previous state. We're talking about like... being in altered states, Shannon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell us. Um, wait, tell I us mean, yeah. an experience that's not drug induced or sex induced of having an altered state. I've got it. It could be spiritual. It could be yeah, food. Okay, you so, have. So this is something that anyone can dip into at any time if if they if they have a proclivity to dipping in like this. But one thing that really, really like. I don't know, freaks me out, uh, is it, it often happens when you're like looking in the mirror or you're like looking at your hand and suddenly you're in a totally different altered state where you're like a dot in the machine of your body looking out at your body and you're like having this like self-referential moment where you're like that person in, in the mirror is Shanna, that person in the mirror is me but I'm, I'm just in the Shanna machine. You know what I mean? Like the me that is me. Or you like look at your hand and you can kind of like rotate it back and forth and be like, I'm doing this. Wait, but, can we clarify you, real quick? Are you yeah. looking at the reflection of your hand? Yes. Well, okay. no, no, no. I mean, like, I, I just use that as an example. Like you can either like right now look at your hand or you can get up and go look in a mirror and like have this moment where it's an altered state because you're not, you're no longer like synonymous with your body. You are like identifying yourself as like the dot in the spaceship that is your body. Mm-hmm. You're observing that make sense? yourself. Have you guys ever had that experience? From outside yourself. And, and, it, yeah. and like sometimes it, it can feel so disconnected that you have to like reach back into your body. Or is it just mm, me? To re-ground. Do I do that? Am I the only one? It sounds like you've experienced way more intensely than I have, but I've I've experienced similar things for sure. Wow. I de- I definitely I have like... felt that. Only uh, I the times that I can remember are usually when I'm two or three drinks in, where I go and look in a mirror and I'm like, "Who is mm, that?" Yeah, oh. when you're drunk and look in a mirror, that's yeah. Who is that weird. person? Whoa. I don't know that person. Yeah, I've- I've experienced that since I was like a little kid and actually I remember experiencing it more in childhood Hmm. is feeling like, what is this kid body? (laughs) I'm, I'm this like separate little awake piece that's inside the body. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's a trauma thing. (laughs) (laughs) Another, another altered seat is uh, lucid dreaming. Yeah. I've been reading all about that. Do you lucid dream? Only every once in a while. And the best, the best lucid dreaming is when it's like of someone that you have a crush on. Yeah. And you're like, and you're like, I'm there with them. Making out or you're like banging it out. 
and you kind of know you're lucid dreaming and you're like, yes, I got the dream I wanted. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, interestingly, in your dreams, all the people, they act autonomously. Explain. Think, think about the people in your dreams. You don't, you're not controlling the people in right. your dreams. Right. Right. They're, well, you are but, because... but they're, it, they're created in your mind, but you also yeah. don't control them and they're acting on their own. So, but let me tell you yeah. something else. Yeah, tell me. You you are every element of your dream. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I really like to do is if you have a really profound dream, like I don't know, say you dream of you know you're on a, you're on stage and the person in the audience is like your dad and they have this like bouquet of flowers or something, and then there's like a parrot that's like screaming in the corner. <laughs> so what you can do, cause you are your dreams, you're every part of your dream is you tell yourself the dream back to yourself from the perspective of the bouquet of flowers or the perspective of your dad or the perspective of the parrot. And you learn things about yourself based on that perspective, that altered state reality from the mindset of like the different po- part of your dream. And and like it's all it's all you. It's really cool. And you're doing that after you wake up. You're reimagining yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can be like, oh, I had this really bizarre dream, and then you're like, well, maybe I'll learn more about the dream if I look at it from a different perspective. Because like I'm also the parrot, and I'm also my dad. I'm also the bouquet of flowers. And then That's you awesome. do, and you learn like really crazy shit. I'm not sure I would want to be Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys which is the only thing I ever dream about. <laughs> the one single thing. Uh, I was also reading that there are dream groups, like small meetups, mm-hmm. and they'll meet on a regular basis. And one of their activities is like someone will share a dream and then everyone else will give, ask questions or their interpretations. And that's supposed to add incredible insight. And sometimes they'll also role play the dreams so someone would be the parrot and someone might be the bouquet of flowers Ooh, or whatever. Like and yeah, just really, cool. really examining it from every angle and getting other people's insight and opinions on, on what it could be. Love it. Mm-hmm. Dreams. Dreams. It's certainly an altered state. Yeah. Isn't that wild mm-hmm. that we, every night we pretty much go into psychosis. Yes. Like we lose all touch with reality yep. of who we are ourselves. We're like having delusions that we think are completely real. And then we wake up and go about our business like nothing happened. Yeah. Like we, it's a totally mm-hmm. acceptable thing to like go into psychosis I, for a that's third another, of your life. I feel like that's another altered state though, is the times when you, when you, carry it when you don't go on as normal where like you have one of those really intense dreams or like very vivid dreams and you can't kind of separate the dream from reality for a few hours after waking up where you like i i have these where i'll have a fight with my husband in a dream and then i'll still be sort of angry with him like even though none Mm. of the stuff related in the dream happened or was related to anything but i'll still carry that feeling Mm -hmm. or uh, I had a dream that I had sex with a boss that I hated. Uh, I really, really hated this boss a long time ago, back when I worked at a grocery store. I had a dream that I had sex with my boss, and I hated it, and I hated him. And then 
being at work with that person, like two days later, I still felt like completely grossed out by the whole experience. Like I was carrying the the memories of the dream mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, thank you so much, Shanna, for bringing some some new thoughts to the table. Oh, were those those ones weren't mentioned yet. No. No, we had not talked about dreams. Oh, cool. yeah. Or or the exercise of like being a dot. We did talk about disassociation, but yeah, that was kind of a new way to experience it. So yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if like when you die, you sort of feel that way for a little bit, and then you're like, oh no, I'm actually just dead now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Or it's like going into a K hole where it's just like there's no points of reference anymore. Yeah, I want to talk about death next. Yeah, we can talk about death. As an altered state. Okay, you guys have fun talking about death. <laughs> to work. Thank you for calling yeah. us. on the pod. Thanks for calling. You rock. And yeah. uh, we'll give you a call another time. Thanks for, thanks for having me. <laughs> Always. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all. Eventually, I think we... I would like to do uh, have another conversation, and maybe we can actually invite someone to talk about this who's more of an expert, but talk about like me- mediums, like mm. uh, people who can communicate with the dead, the dead, or just with other planes of existence that mm. are all around us. I have been getting a little bit involved in that realm in the last few weeks. Cool. I wouldn't. Are you say talking that, to the dead? No, but I have been practicing with with a with a friend who uh, started practicing this within the context of the Christian Church. I've been practicing what is referred to in the Christian Church as the gift of prophecy. So, like, telling the future, not necessarily interpreting uh, interpreting circumstances, interpreting like signs that are received and like relating that back to a person for the purpose of encouragement. So like, what do I like? The process would be like, I would quiet, quiet my mind, if you will, close Mm -hmm. my eyes and like pray to receive a message about a person that I'm with and, uh, and then how that message can encourage them and, and just see what what kind of pops up and then relay it. And then hopefully the person who I'm with is encouraged by what I've seen or heard. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of leaning into that, but a lot because I, uh, I was interested in watching mediums, um, non-Christian affiliated mediums speaking to or talking about circumstances in people's lives that, they had no business knowing um, mm-hmm. and starting to recognize that 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 has kind of a stigmatized past, that practice of being sure. like dumb and a hoax. And mm-hmm. well, I mean, I think it's only become more stigmatized in modern society. Yes. But, but I, I, I'm kind of interested. Yeah. And in, in the idea that like, all things are energy and can be connected with even after mm-hmm. death. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have an episode on that. 
Okay. And I know I've teased it before. I do commune with spirit guides, mm-hmm. but also from like a more atheist perspective, which is <laughs> yeah. an interesting uh, thing um, that I won't get into here. But that's just, yeah. It's all something. It's all something. Uh, okay. Can we go back to <laughs> altered states? Do you want me a to bit? describe the rest of my food experience? Quickly. Okay. I just close my eyes and enjoy like a, a series of like colors, feelings, like physical so feelings. So it's multi-sensory. Yeah, it's, it's like encompassing sense. I don't know. Yeah. How do you say Enveloping all the senses? It's all beauty. the senses. Yeah. And... And there is a a piece of it that's momentary, like dissociative or out of body. Euphoric. Yeah. Euphoric, definitely. Moments. And I seek that a lot. Like I have a really hard time um, eating food for fuel. Like I I, I feel like I I pursue that. You chase the high. I chase the high. The like, this is so good or so innovative or so creative or so beautiful that it creates that experience, that out of body experience, but also awesome. very embodied. So not, not necessarily like you That's feel it all the way dichotomy. through your yeah. body, but like the it's, in, it's embodied, but it like transcends body. Yes. Yeah. It's like your body is extended mm-hmm. into the universe. Awesome. Yeah. Let's brainstorm real quick of different altered states. And that could be positive or negative. So we've mentioned so far drugs. Yep. uh, Alcohol. I would consider that a drug. Okay. Also food. Yep. uh, Exercise. Yep. Sex. Kink. Trauma. Trauma. Yep. Uh, Sleep. Yes. Or sleepiness. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Love. I would say is one. Yeah, that can make you real. Or crazy. sorrow, yeah, like fear. Yeah, all all the emotions really like you're in a different state than your baseline. Do you think emotions? It's like there's a like a bucket, and once you once that bucket is overflowing, then it's an altered state. Like I can feel oh, love, but then like if I am feeling like love in, to a certain degree, then it's an altered state. Uh, that's an interesting distinction. In consent work, I mean, they talk about an altered state being like just about anything. If you're hungry, mm-hmm. yeah, you might hunger is definitely you might mean. not be thinking straight, and you might give a different answer than you would mm-hmm. normally. Oh, stress. St- oh yeah, totally. Stress, stress is major. I mean, and yeah, and stress can come from anywhere. Really, yeah. work, family. Just contemplating life can fuck you up. Total relaxation. Mm. Like, besides not just sleepiness, but, like, the altered state of, like, being fully relaxed. I think about... Taking a deep breath, I think, can give you a momentary, just, like, Yeah, meditation. Meditation. Yeah. Are we always in an altered state? Yeah, is there a non-altered state? Is there a non-altered state? <laughs> How do we get to, like, just pragmatic state? <laughs> uh, we would be robots. Baseline state. I guess. Or maybe just kind of like, maybe, it, I mean, by baseline, just where you are normally 
even if that is, is euphoric boredom, or pain. Is boredom an altered state or is boredom baseline? Are you normally bored? Maybe. Yeah. If I'm always chasing the high of like being hungry or mm-hmm. being fed. Or... Yeah, being dissatisfied. Yeah. Yeah, these are, are interesting. And we haven't mentioned a, a maybe obvious one, like religious altered yes. states. Yeah. Uh, and th- I would say they're spiritual altered states. And, you know, that I'm thinking that would might be like on your own. Yeah. But religious like as corporate part of a corporate singing. organized group. Yeah. Uh, wow. the, the praise and worship, the and Pentecostal things like we had people, you know, their arms shaking in the air yeah. and speaking in tongues and like being slain in the spirit where you yeah. just like fall over. And I've heard people who I I deeply respect and trust talk about their experiences in speaking in tongues and feeling like they were speaking with the voice of God and to God and like absolutely transcendent, euphoric, out of body, mm-hmm. altered state. And I, those are people who I take seriously, even if I never experienced that. So... Like I, it, beyond just the, the like community hive mind, uh, what is that called? The like, like collective, collective psychosis. Unconscious. Yeah. A collective psychosis would be. <laughs> well, like you've heard about like Charlie Chaplin uh, appeared in many different places at one time just because that was like, anyway. What? Corporate psychosis. It's a thing. Okay. Is it like mass hysteria? Yeah, it's kind of like mass hysteria, but uh, where like if a a society or a culture has undergone some sort of trauma, they might create a singular image to cope as a as a collective, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than um, individuals all trying to do it on their own, like a a group can collectively experience the same thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I mean, I know for a lot of non-Christians, Jesus might be that, like, a lot of people agreeing that this is meaningful and real Mm -hmm. and having, you know, very real experiences with that symbol. Yep. Um, And then, you know, the same can be said for uh, Mohammed or the Buddha or... Donald Trump. Yeah, Trump. Uh, Like money or capitalism Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. I have truly experienced that this thing has meaning. And so I believe in it or I I give it weight even if other people don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, I don't know if this is a can of worms, but like, does something have to be objectively real to have meaning? Yeah. And there's, I think it's in the book Sapiens, where they're talking about one of the things that sets humans apart is our ability to believe in imagined realities Mm -hmm. and goes in depth about how that's a really beneficial thing for us to like form bonds with each other and to cooperate and to feel comfort and a sense of belonging and all these things like we need as humans. Yeah. Like 
Like, what is family really? Like, is there really a a bond there? Yeah. You're, you're two people. <laughs> and you just, you all believe together that you are a unit. Yeah. And through that belief, regardless if it's real or not, like, you can hopefully get a lot of positive things out of it. Yeah. I mean, same with money. Money isn't a real thing. We just agree that this paper has value. Yeah. Our government isn't a real thing. We just all agree that we're going to go along with it. And that, like, that comes back to our, like, our podcast motto. Like, whatever you believe and whatever you agree upon, like, show us how you treat people. Yeah. doesn't (laughs) matter what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be good. So... Uh, I don't know. Final thoughts on altered states. Some are good. <laughs> yeah, so, some are, some of them are good. That's a great. <laughs> some, some of them are good. Yeah, for me, I think they add texture to life, and the good and the bad ones, for sure. Overwhelming. Altered states, yeah, might not be pleasant, but I often learn a lot from those. I don't know. It's it's very interesting to me to explore, like, the limits of my humanity. Mm. And, like, what is it that we as humans can experience and engage in? You know, I don't, I don't necessarily find, like, deeper meaning in doing K. Yeah. Right. But it is uh, an occasional pastime, maybe such as playing a video game, which also leaves me in an altered state. It's like sometimes you go out and play baseball because mm -hmm. you want to see whether or not it's fun to play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes we read a book that just for the fun of it. Yeah. You know, and... You could certainly become addicted to reading books mm-hmm. and ruin relationships and not go to work. And yeah. these are things that I guess we can decide to use responsibly yeah. and uh, experience what it is to be human and maybe have a, a bigger understanding of who we are and what the world is. Yeah. Make sure you and your partner consent if you're trying certain things that require consent. Yes, please be super safe. Yeah. We're not encouraging you to do anything illegal. No, we love you. And we we want you you to be good and healthy and whole. Yeah. And have a a rich experience. Yeah. For better or worse. Yeah. Go out and live a life. Go do lots of drugs. Go go do... just go on a bender. Don't do that. Sleep Unless in a gutter. You want to. Yeah, just for a night. Go. Don't murder anyone, please. Yeah, don't chase that experience. Yeah. No. I bet that's an altered I state, though. I bet that is an altered state. I bet that's Sorry a hard course. altered state. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> well, that's a way to end a podcast. <laughs> uh, don't chase that high. Love Nick and Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, folks. This has been Switcheroo. Yeah. I'm Maggie. I'm Nick Vu. Yeah, thanks for coming by. Thanks for coming by. Goodbye. Later. I was sitting in the backyard.
I said, hey, Zazik, who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl, what's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone? Hey, this is Maggie, and also I'm here too. Nick's here too, and we wanted to invite you to do something. Yeah, ask us questions. Ask us some questions. We're not technically experts, but we're kind of experts. So I mean, we're it's worth hearing perspectives. Yeah, it's worth hearing perspectives. Yeah, we would love to answer your questions about sexuality, religion. Religion and sexuality, religion, sexuality, and drugs, religion, sexuality, drugs, and tacos, anything. Polyamory. Yeah, polyamory. (laughs) Or monogamy. Polyamory and tacos, monogamy, marriage. Uh, Pets. (laughs) I had nothing to say about pets. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And you can reach us at switcherupodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send us an email if you have any questions that you'd like to have featured on our show, The Switcheroo Podcast. That's all. That's all. We love you. Yeah. That's oh, all. you can also ask questions on Instagram. What's uh, our Instagram handle? Our Instagram handle is Switcheroo Podcast. Find us on awesome. IG. We love you. <laughs> Later. Bye.